TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The race for the Ellicott District. um, Darius Pridgen uh, giving up that seat after 12 years. And one of the people running for it, Matt Deering, is in studio with us now. Matt, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me. Now, I asked you this question off the air. and I'm going to ask you on the air. Why do you want to get into the? You you're in this political field. Why do you want to uh, continue being in this political field that is ever more divisive? Um, if anything, I think it's to bring some unity and get rid of that divisiveness. Um, I think that there's been a lot of infighting and petty politicking that goes on, and I think um, there's a need for some good faith negotiators in government, regardless of you know where they are on the political spectrum. That's why I'm. Happy to be here on uh, 930 WBEN. I know a lot of folks of my uh, particular persuasion wouldn't be keen to join you, but um, you know, I'm trying to show people that uh, we need more sort of conversational, uh, empathy-led uh, politi- politics and politicians, and uh, that's why I'm happy to be here today. And, and I agree. Now, you have uh, experience in politics. You've been part of the uh, office of an assemblyman. Pat Burke, is what we had you here last time. How does that experience get you ready for something like this, running as the actual candidate for something like the council? Uh, well, as for the running, um, it's very, very different. You know, I've worked in campaigns and then obviously in government as well. And boy, uh, every candidate I've ever worked for, I tell them to put their nose to the grindstone and call people and ask them for money. Oh, Tom, it doesn't seem so hard. Let me tell you, it's very, very hard. No matter how well you know people, it's a nerve-wracking experience. Um, but I think my my experience that I do have working in government and politics in particular you know, prepares me for an office like this uh, because of really what my, my goals are. And uh, it's given me a vision for what I think uh, a city council, a common council member's office could be. Um, and my time working in the assembly, especially doing uh, the community relations work, is uh, I think going to be my biggest asset, you know, if I am fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to serve the people of the Ellicott District in the city of Buffalo. Now, looking at the Common Council, you know, we, we hear from the Common Council almost regularly, uh, even especially on this station, uh, on our news programs. What about the Common Council made you want to jump in? What is, in your opinion, the state of the Common Council? I think the council and government in general, I mean, the biggest thing that I've been hearing from people when I've been out on the doors and, you know, out in the community is that uh, people want more accessibility to their representatives. And on the common council, I think, you know, the local politics like that is really the 
the ground floor of civic engagement between people and and government. And um, again, that constituent services work that I did, um, I think is the biggest piece. Uh, The thing I hear the most is that government has been unresponsive. Um, That just when people call, they don't always get a call back. When there's a problem, you know, they're you know, told to call 311 or our office can't deal with that. And, you know, there are areas where, you know, your city councilman can't do anything, but uh, there are a lot of opportunities in government. It's something I learned when I was working in Assemblyman Burke's office was that there are a lot more opportunities for people in government to get in the way in a good way and to try to, you know, make the buck stop at their office instead of just passing it on to, uh, to somebody else. And that's, um, I think that's just the thing that's lacking in general in government. I think that's one reason why there's so much distrust locally, nationally, uh, between people in government. I mean, there's a, a lack of faith in institutions. And I think it's because uh, far too often our elected officials like to sit in the ivory tower or the beautiful art deco building that is uh, Buffalo City Hall uh, instead of you know being the person who picks up the phone or is out in the community talking to people in a in a governmental capacity and not in maybe the capacity that they have in in another role and not that that's a bad thing but I think oftentimes people who are in some of these elected positions where people view them as maybe not necessarily being full time jobs I mean you know the city council each office. Um, gets about $200,000 in a budget and between the council member staff and or, sorry between the council member salary and their staff salaries and I think people should get $200,000 worth of work out of it which means you know nine to five either be in the office or be out in the community and you know be available for people to to talk to about what the problems you know that are going on in their lives and how you might be able to solve them. Now, looking at this past year, there have been two big issues uh, the council has been faced with. I'll start with the first one: uh, the fluoride. You know, was a big thing for seven years. There was not fluoride in the water, and it seems like anyone you asked in the common council didn't know that. Uh, do you think that was a failure of the common council? I think, um, I think a f- failure is a strong word, but I. I I know the information was out there, but it was very, very hard to find. And I think, if anything, um, the there's been a lack of action from the council when it comes to using their power to hold the executive branch accountable for some of the missteps that they may have made. Now, if you dig into this fluoride story, for instance, you'll notice that, and I wrote something on my Facebook about it before I had even you know decided to jump into this race which is that if you were to say go to the Water Authority website and look at the treatment section, it tells you that there's fluoride added to the water. There's a lot of use of the present tense, but then hidden, not hidden, but in the maybe seventh or eighth page of some of these reports, you'll find that it, after it says water uh, fluoride is added to the uh, water here in the city, there's a addendum that says fluoride hasn't been added to your water since 2015. Um, and I think because uh, there's a, a trend, I think, of a lack of transparency uh, that the, the council has an ability to both call that out and use their, I mean, it's a legislative body that has, you know, subpoena power. Um, and I do think that there's a bit uh, too much sort of, of a sit on our hands mentality that goes on. Um, and as a result, you know, people, uh, people are left in the dark on important issues like that one. Um, and I think, again, that's um, because of my 
independence, I'll say, from any given institution in the city. I think I've got a unique ability to to call that out, but not to do it in a, a bad faith way. I think oftentimes in uh, politics and government, both people believe that any and all criticism is in bad faith. Um, and uh, a thing I want to bring to the council is uh, an attitude of governing in good faith and good government practices, one of which is transparency and being willing to call out anybody who you know is uh, not pushing that principle forward another major thing the council uh has to deal with and believe me after the blizzard of 22 we had almost every council member on the station um is the is you know the snow cleanup in the city it seems to always be an issue even after the smallest snowstorms and obviously was a big issue after the blizzard what do you think number one is the council's uh job in that number two looking at the ellicott district what would you like to see the next time we have a major snowstorm i think uh, we have to recognize that the weather in this region in particular is changing now this is a a bit of conjecture i've tried to get a hold of some local climatologists and meteorologists but it seems in recent years that the metro area that often avoided the worst of a lot of these storms has been getting hit uh, repeatedly with you know pretty bad lake effect the lake's not freezing as much as it used to so I think we have to in general adjust our strategy when it comes to how we uh, tackle these storms because I think we're going to see long periods where we get no snow and then we're going to get dumped on in pretty harsh ways um, and I think the council's responsibility is to work with the administration on really modernizing how we handle with snow in the first place I think the thing I've been saying to people is we're using sort of 20th century snow removal strategies for uh, 21st century problems. Um, and I think we have to start to look at some of these other cities that deal with really bad snow in a uh, in a much better way than we do. We can't just keep pushing this stuff you know, into a parking lot because eventually the parking lots fill up. We have a lot of narrow one-way streets where people park on one side or another, and as a result, their cars get walled in. Bus routes have to change. You know, we have to look at, you know, bringing in more modern equipment. Um, but we also have to, you know, the council, I think in particular, you know, I think we were due a report on the blizzard at the end of February from the administration and it hasn't come yet. Um, I'm curious where that is and I'm curious what the council is doing to guarantee that that information is made available to the public. Uh, but we have to you know, look to the future and uh, what we think the problems are going to be. And I think that these storms in particular are going to get worse. So maybe we have to start to get some of those giant snowblower things that they use in cities like Montreal to clear some of these narrow streets. Um, and, you know, that's going to cost money. Um, so we have to find ways to to reallocate funds in the city budget, I think, to, to fight that because it seems to be you know, something that's going to become a, a worse and worse problem as time goes on. You know, and we, we've we talked to council members like Joe Kalombek, Mitch Nowakowski, and, you know, as a lot of districts have the same problems, each district seems to have unique problems as well. What do you think is face, problems are facing the Ellicott district that you would like to uh, get started on if you were to be elected? I think the biggest one is uh, the, you know, there's a legacy of you know, long-time homeownership, particularly, I mean, the district has changed a lot with the most recent uh, redistricting. We've picked up quite a few parts of the Elmwood Village between, you know, Lafayette and Summer, and um, some parts of downtown have been added. Uh, but there are a lot of, like, multi-generational homeowners who, um, you know, have done a lot to maintain their properties, but they need a bit more help. Um, and I think, 
you know, there are programs that the city has that I think aren't being uh, brought to them uh, and haven't been made available. And, you know, again, something in my experience in the assembly was sort of helping people navigate some of this bureaucracy with programs like unemployment. I think that'd be uh, something I'd be particularly good at. Um, there's a big rent problem, um, at which, you know, affects the entire city, but council member Pridgen in his, uh, WBFO interview he did with Dave Debo, he talked about that being sort of his biggest priority, trying to address the ever skyrocketing costs of both homes and, uh, apartments. Um, so I think we need to, you know, attack that problem sort of from both ends, um, and then there are just like some infrastructure challenges when it comes to the lack of insulation in homes, um, you know, landlords who aren't, you know, maintaining uh, HVAC systems and furnaces and the properties that they own. There are a lot of these um, out of area landlords who are holding up property, I think, that could be, you know, renovated and lived in by people who are in the community generating, um, you know, more funds in the economy. But obviously, you know, Ellicott in particular has a. Uh, a long legacy of systemic disinvestment and, you know, discrimination. You know, there's a legacy of redlining and blockbusting and then the urban renewal policies that followed that, you know, have affected neighborhoods like the Fruit Belt. Um, so I think having sort of a comprehensive strategy, both at the district level and at the city level is something that any council member needs because, you know, where one district stops, the next one begins. And it's not like uh, in Congress where Congressman Higgins is here in Erie County and then Congressman Morelli is out in Monroe County and there's a big divide in between, you know, my district ends at halfway across the street and you've got to be willing to work with the next council member and the people from all across the city, especially, you know, when you look at how the districts have been redrawn, which is certainly something that I have uh, plenty of thoughts about. Uh, gerrymandering is certainly a word that could be used to describe it, but you know, you play the cards that you're dealt. Um, and I think that there is a bit of a parochial approach that many of the council members have. You know, I was at a meeting maybe three weeks ago and a woman was, you know, bringing up a problem that she had with a bar that was in her, uh, in her district. I believe that she was in well, again, with the way the lines have been drawn, but she was about, you know, 500 yards, say, outside of the Niagara district at the time. And, you know, the response was, oh, well, that's not in my district. And, you know, it's it's, it's 1500 feet outside of your district. You know, you could at least, you know, try to do something about it anyway. I mean, that was the thing, you know, we did in the assembly. I would get calls from people who might live in a different assembly district. And they're like, I've been having problems with unemployment. I haven't heard back. You know, it doesn't cost me anything to try to to try to help you um, to try to solve that problem that you're uh, dealing with in your life. And again, that's sort of the attitude that I want to bring to the council and create a culture in my office that's one that you know starts with empathy and and not you know ego or a personal agenda. I certainly have a vision for what I'd like the district to look like and the city to look like. But at the end of the day, uh, at the ground floor of uh, government, you know, the the most work that you do is that constituent services piece and connecting people with both government and with, you know, nonprofits and other organizations that can help to solve those problems. Um, and that's the kind of culture that I want to create in, in my office if I'm fortunate enough to win this race. Now, you are running against uh, Leah Holton Pope, who was an advisor to the majority leader, Crystal People Stokes, also Pastor Michael Chapman and Cedric Holloway. Any thoughts on the people that are also in this race? Um, you know, I think... Both uh, Miss Halton and Mr. Holloway are, 
you know, also more than qualified, you know, for a position like this, um, obviously doing work with the majority leader, you know, you've been in, um, in a position to have a lot of influence both across uh, the city and the state, obviously. Um, and then Mr. Holloway's done a lot of great work out of the Johnny B. Wiley and with his uh, own foundation. He actually is a, he's a neighbor of mine. He lives about five houses down the street from me on Linwood Ave. So, you know, my mom's from Southwestern, uh, West Virginia, home of the Hatfields and McCoys. And I, I really hope it doesn't become uh, a situation like that. I don't think it will. I've, I've known him, you know, pretty much my, my entire life. Um, you know, uh, when it comes to Mr. Chapman, um, you know, I've been spending a lot of time in the McCarley Gardens and in some of the uh, housing that, you know, is owned by his development company. Um, and the people there are pretty displeased with their living conditions. And I think, um, I do think that there's a, <laughs> there's a certain amount of hubris that's required when, you know, your own tenants are, uh, holding press conferences and talking about the fact that there's rodents in their apartments. And, you know, Rod Watson wrote a piece back in uh, February about the conditions at the St. John Towers uh, on Michigan Ave. So, you know, when it comes to that, I, you know, he's not a registered Democrat. I'm not sure if he's going to be competing in the Democratic primary or not. But, you know, I'm interested in having a, a campaign and a discussion about the issues that are facing the district and the people of the city more broadly. Um, you know, there's a lot of infighting, I think, that goes on. There's a lot of factionalization, um, you know, in our local politics. And again, I I came into politics in a in a sort of different way. I, I don't want to say I broke my way in because you know I had, you know, people open some doors for me who weren't necessarily connected um, either to the party or to the mayor's office. Um, and I think again that gives me a certain latitude uh, to. I'm unmoored from some of these older ties, which means I, I think I have an ability in particular to bring, you know, different groups of people to the table and actually work toward a solution that benefits everybody. You know, I think the best solutions oftentimes are one, ones where everybody feels like they got something and maybe they didn't get something that they were looking for. Um, and I'm not out for, you know, one team or another. I'm just here to try to get the results that everybody wants. Um, and I think uh, I'll have an opportunity to highlight that as the race goes on. All right, final question. We'll cut a little into uh, Chuck Todd's time. Final question, because I ask everyone in an election this, anything that I left out that you would like to address before we uh, finish up here today? No, Joe. I mean, you're always a pretty good interviewer, at least in my experience. You know, well, two, thank I you. think I think you're a two for two at this point. No, I think, um, you know, I think, again, you know, I, I grew up on uh, Linwood Ave, just a block away from Main Street. I get that I'm young and a lot of people have talked about, you know, the fact that I'm I'm an unknown. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to get to know sort of more of the people who may be saying that. Um, but the truth is I grew up between both sides of Buffalo and both sides of this new district. You know, I, I was a private school kid. I was fortunate when I moved there with my mom in uh, 99. But after I went to private school and went away to college for a couple of years, you know, I came back and I worked in call centers, you know, in the Lovejoy district and on the east side of Buffalo. And, you know, I spent time on, you know, Montana Ave and on Bissell and on Goodyear. You know, I know what it's like to, you know, shop at Wegmans and get the little frozen party wings from uh, Price Choppers. So I think I have a I have a way to synthesize the concerns of the people across this district, because the truth is, whether I've been in Elmwood, I've been, you know, off Northampton or Riley. A lot of the people have the same concerns. They want to protect the legacy that they've made for their children. 
Um, you know, they want their communities to be safer. They want people to stop flying down the streets at 60 miles an hour, regardless of, again, whether you live on Lafayette or, you know, you live on Riley. Um, and the district goes, you know, from, you know, Bailey to Elmwood, from Ferry to Perry. Um, and I think I have spent time in all those parts of the district throughout my entire life. And um, I've seen the changes as I've grown up. The district has has changed. And I think um, I'm for that reason, I'm the perfect person to represent it going forward. Um, but the campaign's not a again, it's not about me. It's not about a resume. It's about the people and the concerns that they have and who's going to, you know, work to find solutions to those problems. Matt Deering running for the Ellicott District to uh, replace uh Reverend Darius Pridgen, who is stepping down after 12 years. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, Joe. Uh, MattForEllicott.com, Twitter.com slash Matt for number four Ellicott. Keep an eye on it and uh, we'll see what happens. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.